Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I am your host, Austin Pryor, and my guest for the final time is Leander Lynn. This is minute number 60. Our minute runs from 0 hours, 59 minutes, and 0 seconds, all the way up to 0 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, and 24 frames. The minute starts with Birdie spinning that dress, saying... This dress? Why'd you spin that dress again? Everybody, Miles says, look at me! Look at you! And ends one minute later with a very large man hitting the floor. Uh, yeah, so thoughts on this minute, Leandra? Oh, this is so fun. I think this is my favorite uh, Birdie, Kate Hudson the scene. It's just such a fun little bit for her. Oh, and She's so good. She she's literally a distraction. Uh, usually, yeah. uh, usually when that character who's kind of flighty and like supposed to yeah. uh, be a distraction to people, uh, they don't literally say "Look at me" while spinning. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, Miles is. We'll get more into the reasons of the distraction and everything later on as we have a broader discussion where we we kind of lift lift the veil but um but even just looking at it here this is like yeah very straightforwardly look at her and then she's saying everyone look at me and it just perfectly plays to the character dynamic that has been established between uh between Miles and Birdie because Birdie is like insecure about you know is she as glamorous as she used to be and whiskey has taken her position we don't really know the extent of the past that she and miles have but we know that she values his attention and he's the alpha um you know that's his that's what he named his company he's definitely not the alpha male in the in the in the testosterone sense or the typical sense we'd think of duke has that role but he is, he is, uh, especially because Duke is literally a cook in, but if we're using the crude language of, uh, of, you know, toxic masculinity with a beta cook soy boy and an <laughs> alpha male and all that stuff, then like, um, you know, Miles Braun is the alpha because he's put, he's put, uh, Duke in his place and he's, he's cuckolding him and he's, the biggest richest guy in the room and he's you know he's controlling this and this is his greek island this is his glass onion you know and not to mention the many the dynamic we know exists between him and and everybody else of like how they're reliant on him so like just the stuff we were talking about a couple of days ago about her being the kind of high school popular girl slash mean girl slash you know cheerleader that like she's still going with those values and 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 you just you key in on social status and you go well he's the important guy so i want his attention you know and that's all separately from whatever kind of level of romance they had at whatever stage they did you know for sure it's um there's a when I was in a production of the tempest I was playing Trinculo and my entire thing was uh, Trinculo is a beta always looking for the best alpha nice. and yeah, I feel yeah. I, I feel like Birdie is very much a beta looking for the best alpha yeah yeah I guess I kind of wouldn't even usually 
frame you you know think of that frame for a a female she's a, a high value female the other way they think but of course i suppose whiskey is the high value female if we're to use this i feel dirty even using this language and this framing um because not only is it like you know dehumanizing but it's also kind of like it's just the modern equivalent of eugenics. It's completely yeah. ascientific nonsense, you know. Um, and the whole alpha beta thing, you know, was was based on wolves in the first place. And it's been discredited. And the guy who first came out with the alpha beta research um, has, like, written a follow-up book completely debunking his own yeah. previous work, which is, like, a really rare thing to do. In, in academia and and, um, and and research and and publishing and everything you know he, he's like it was a really brave move and and nobody cared everyone it just stuck you know this this kind of horrible um, you know framing that happened to kind of play into you know the worst of American excess and and, and, and like capitalism and the way it influences group dynamics and people's personal philosophy and blah 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 <laughs> yeah i i couldn't agree more in fact you know who would probably um even even though it's incredibly problematic <laughs> to use this wording you know who probably <clears throat> considers themselves an alpha <laughs> the rock dwayne the rock johnson would How it be could you per chance <laughs> oh, we do oh hate lord him. we are really ragging on the um on the wrestlers this week i'm loving it but um yeah Dwayne. <laughs> yeah i mean if he stipulates in his contract that uh he cannot lose a fight on screen that's uh I mean, that's an alpha presentation that he's going for. Yeah. But it is a seriously, like, Zeta male cook soy boy move. <laughs> it, is, it is the, like, it is the most weak sauce thing of, like, yeah. I, and I, I, and I Dwayne, if you're reading this, or if you're, yeah. Dwayne, if you're listening to this, um, <laughs> Austin's in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> come at me bro I don't care come at me I'm right here I'm right here what do you got apart from like massive muscles and loads of training and experience uh, in in like fights and stuff um, so so yeah so I, I, he, he, when, when Miles is addressing everybody here and doing his toast he's just like it's a bird. I want a toast. I want a toast to the disruptors. Yeah. My OGs. I love you. All of you. <laughs> disruptors. Breaking it and making it. I, I, I don't know about you, but every time I hear this term OG, it just kills me. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with its etymology? I kind of don't know how commonly known the, the origin of this is. Like, I don't know if people know what it is. Well, I know it. Stands OG. for original gangster. Yes. Okay. Or gangsta, if you like. Oh, that is true. And um, yeah, yeah. And it's a, there's like it's a particular song on a particular album. You know, Ice T, original gangster, uh, is the name of the album, and and like Ice T O G is what he's saying in it, and that's like, and it's just like first of all, must every like colloquialism be 
appropriated from hip hop into the vernacular. You know what I mean? It's like everything has to come from, and um, it's just so many. Like I just think about all these phrases that were, that were like when I was getting into hip hop, you know, late teens, early twenties, and kind of learning the the phrases and stuff. It's like they're now completely normal. Like if you, like like a middle aged somebody ringing in to, to a radio station is going to say, can I give a shout out to my cousins and my friends and stuff like that? And it's like, it's now like, you know, just a, a homemaker kind of thing to say. It's like a shout out. Now, a shout out is a nice, it's a friendly thing and it's always, it's always been a nice part of, of hip hop. Um, whereas OG is a much more, really, you want to you evoke street gangs? Every time you want to say like, the OG Xbox, for example, you know, because the Xbox, the first one was called the Xbox and then it was the Xbox 360 and then the blah, blah, blah. That it's like to distinguish which one you're calling it. You know, people say the OG Xbox. It's like, really, you're, you're talking about street gangs and violence <laughs> just to say which Xbox version. It's like, it's a really weird thing to say. It's just so disconnected from its origins at this point. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that thing of like, well, gangsters are cool, uh, you know, aren't they? You know, it's like, and, and it just kind of like, it just adds like street cred in the most, like in in the least actually credible way. It's, it's really naff. Yes, yeah. it's a very beige thing to say, I'd say. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So we're seeing like, really the dominant event, the most important thing going on in this minute is da, 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 the first, it, our only, we don't know yet, the first death in the movie. What? Um, you bet. It happens. Turn up the music. We're going in the pool tonight. We're all starting in the pool tonight. That's what I want. By the end of this minute, technically it hasn't been totally confirmed that he's dead because they're rushing to his body and seeing if they can... Miles. On your feet, genius. I want to see your... Miles, Duke. are in no doubt that this is this is a guy dying and what a death like this is a great death and I, I you know you haven't been on the Batista train this week with me but I presume well, uh, no, well, uh, no I've I've I, well no sorry I mean like you've been critical of him I've been a little bit less so but I couldn't say I've been on the train that's fair uh, I'm all uh, aboard now I've, with this though but with this with this minute because yeah, yeah. this is great yeah. No, this was really um, good. And I think there's like some transferable skills from the wrestling ring going on here because he's, you know, obviously he's faking being, you know, knocked over or falling over or whatever, you know. So there's stuff like in his wheelhouse here. But even just before, like this moment of, um, uh, you know, he grasps at his throat with this fear in his eyes. And the music transmission transitions from David Bowie to the score, and he drops onto that table, 
breaking the glass into tiny pieces and then heaves and lands again breaking those pieces into pieces and then rolls off the table and you just you just really feel the 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 heft of this man you know what i mean he is like it's made just so his physicality is used so well to 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 show this as being so dramatic and so kind of like weirdly comical in a way that like you know just something this something this big getting knocked over and so i don't know that he that he that he's this kind of just a big clumsy oaf this character you know what i mean and he's not and he dies as he lived you know what i mean he's yeah punk (laughs) yeah he's the most uh, physically imposing in the room yeah and acts as the the most physically imposing dead body one could possibly imagine exactly yeah yeah and um yeah and as the weeks go on i think he's going to be there a while too um but his acting's going to get better in upcoming minutes Oh, <laughs> zing, psych. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, and I mean this, this just I was I was just thinking of the moment, the way the change because ah, uh, Brian Johnson, she's he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Because Miles has put so much effort into getting the energy up, and for for the kind of dramatic stakes it it almost doesn't matter that the bringing the energy up is is fake it just it it just adds to the drama here where oh there's suddenly fun oh dancing oh colors you know what i mean just he, <laughs> Ryan Johnson is just kind of seducing the audience with like very light fun things for a while you know it's like oh look at the dress oh look oh this i i see smiling faces you know and just as audiences we are you know we're very sophisticated in all the ways we can discuss film and think about it and and be one step ahead but also we are a bunch of like brain stems sitting in the audience just being tickled you know what i mean it's like (laughs) oh pretty lights you know and and um and from that kind of like brainstem point of view, this is so he, he ramps up in the, in the seconds leading to this death. He is just doing everything to make happy, 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 happy. And then this turn and the turn is so beautiful because it's Lionel and Claire suddenly standing up. Miles thinking, hey, I've reached them. You know, this is happening. This is, I'm getting this connection. Miles. And then Miles is still blah, blah, blah. No, Miles, Duke. And they get him to turn around. And, and like, just the turn. It's just like, well done. It turns out he knows what he's doing. Yeah, this is expertly <laughs> done. And the... And anything that I said negative about uh, about Mr. Duke, David Batista, uh, in the past, it all is forgiven with this death scene. Really? Wow. Well, no. Yeah. I, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it is. It is. It is redemptive. Um, it, it is like, um, because ju- just the, the fear in his eyes, it is like, it is haunting. You know, it, it it is kind of like, oh, and and did have you ever have you ever had like have you ever nearly choked? Yes, it's awful. Yeah, it's really scary. 
I've done it like way too many times. <laughs> um, and uh, can you think of any, like, were there particular ones that stand out for you? Or um, I'm trying to think. Um, and off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of like one specific time that I was like, oh, I'm going to die uh, from yeah. from not chewing my food. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just, like, I, I, I was, the night my, the night my wife went into labor, um, I was just kind of fueling up of, like, okay, the water's broken, this is happening, we're doing good, we're, we're, we're at home here, and, and we're going to be driving to the hospital soon, I'm going to get this food into me, what else do I need? You know, I'm her birth partner. I need to step up and I need to be ready, you know. And so it's kind of hurriedly and absentmindedly eating this rice and it just, just like, got, just got caught down there. And I was like, oh, I ate too fast again. Okay, deep breath. Okay. And it just wouldn't clear. And like, I could still kind of breathe and that's like, okay, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And then it just went on and on and on. And like, I was there five minutes oh my god minutes like just like every single breath was like intentional and i needed to like i needed to concentrate on sucking down enough oxygen for each breath and it was just like and i was just drinking the water to wash it down i was trying to bring it up i was trying and i was just like uh, you know and just that psychological thing of like mind over matter you will survive think you're just trying to engage your rational thought of like you can't die this way because yeah. you are getting enough oxygen in each breath you're not gonna die now you need to be there tonight of all night and just the fear of like what if i died now like i don't want to die and i don't want to leave you know my soon to be born child an orphan i don't want to leave but now of all the times when like she's about to go to the hospital I'm the birth partner I'm like like not now <laughs> that's just, just bad like, timing it was just terrible and she was kind of thinking about it as well of like hmm, what if he and I don't think she was like allowing herself to consider me actually dying she was kind of more thinking of like oh my god what if I have to bring him to the hospital <laughs> it's like what what's that gonna do um so um yeah got through it no problem and um and I I did my duty as a birth partner and that was uh that was that and um yeah and five years later She's uh, a healthy little messer. Aww. So, um, so before we get into our kind of broader discussion, where we're kind of able to contextualize everything a bit more and acknowledge later minutes and everything, um, do you have any other particular thoughts for minute sixty? I do not. This was a fun minute, but it uh, it really had only a couple of broad strokes to discuss yeah 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 it's kind of all there and uh yeah so i was thinking it would be fun to look at our week of minutes our our like um our 56 57 58 59 60 and like now that we're allowed to kind of um recontextualize everything 
and kind of think of think of it as our second viewing think of these minutes of like well now what do we know once we're viewing viewing again um so the stuff we were kind of not saying on on our way here so yeah just going through minute 56 Catherine Han is in the middle of her speeches how the you know the minute starts and it ends with the first iteration of I want the truth and it ends actually on the on the, the the Mona Lisa shield going up so in this minute this person that we can now admit is Helen yes posing as Andy um she her goal in this minute is just is later established to be to start a fight and lose so that she can credibly storm out of the room and nobody's going to be questioning where she is and so it almost doesn't matter what specifics she brings up except that she has to be plausibly acting as Andy and coming from Andy's perspective and the way this scene plays when you have that later knowledge is amazing because there's a few lines that slip in that make more sense or have an extra meaning once you know it's Helen but the audience on second viewing can really you know see it all for what it is because because Helen playing Andy says I got he got his from me my life was taken away from me by someone, by everyone in this room. My life, do you even know what that means? And that is just so amazing as a double meaning because oh, yeah. my life by my life was taken away from me. So she's like channeling her dead sister and she's actually like she's saying she's saying to these people you killed me but she nearly says it too literally she 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 says my life was taken away from me by someone in this room but she stops herself by someone by everyone in this room because she had to recontextualize and was like oh yeah no i'm talking about <laughs> the other th- i'm talking about the court case not the not the um the the murder and um and it's just like oh it's so good um, by everyone in this, my life. Do you even know what that means? And the fact that she says, "Do you know what that means?" Co- communicating that they don't know what she means, and maybe they will someday when they think about it or or get to watch the movie. <laughs> I I couldn't agree more. Uh, it was so hard for me to uh, to not just toot Janelle Monae's horn about. Yes. how how amazing a job she did of not just playing Andy, not just playing Helen, but playing Helen playing Andy. That is yeah. just layers upon layers of amazing work. And, and listening to previous minutes, it seems that everybody is kind of, everybody that I can think of is on board with this twin trope because it really could throw you and it's a really kind of cheesy thing and it's like it's it's not realistic you know what i mean Tw- identical twins are more similar than this you know what i mean what you're not likely to get identical twins where one of them becomes a billionaire and the other is a a, a a school teacher you know what i mean it's just like um i maybe you could prove me wrong but it just uh 
in general, you know, even people, even twins, identical twins who were accidentally separated at birth and had like really different um, lives are kind of like spookily similar as adults, you know. So that's kind of what I think of every time I see this. But that doesn't matter. It's a trope and it's and it's we're playing with the idea, ideas of identity and ideas of acting um, as somebody and layers and and deception and like it's very you know appropriate for for the genre but it's like it's the it's done it's all about how you carry it off because here as you say Janelle Monet is is so brilliant at at portraying it but it's also that like the movie knows how much it can get away with Partly because it's leaning on, you know, Ryan Johnson knows he, he he's going to get brilliant actors and he knows how to work well with actors. But also because it's like the script all the way through is going to have that, it's going to play with that tension between stretching your credulity and grounding you in real characters so that you, you know, you're, 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 find the, the whole thing more believable and, and I know it doesn't work for everybody but I'm just I'm totally on board with the twin thing and as a as a lover of uh, of murder mysteries and uh, again it's a thing that we bring up every I bring up every single minute um, the classic drawing room play like this is this is a trope of of murder mysteries in this format the twin did it. Yeah, and it makes me think of The Prestige, spoiler for The Prestige, where they get a double when the other Hugh Jackman comes in. I was like nearly taken out of it big and I was just like, "Ah, oh, look, I'll go with it." And and you and I was glad I did because like he just shows up and Hugh Jackman is just absolutely chewing the scenery as this drunken lout. Um and then later when he kind of finds out how much power he has in this situation, it's just brilliantly done. Um, and because there's enough, it's, there's enough fun and lightness to it to, to give you the nod to like, come on, go with me, come on, but you know, buy into it. It'll be fun that you do. And then, but also enough weight and enough dramatic heft that it's like, Oh, I'm actually getting something out of this. So it's like, it's all about this seduction. And in that way, appropriate that we're talking about prestige because a movie is a magic trick because you want to be, you want to be fooled. And that's why it's so frustrating when your suspension of disbelief is thrown off by a movie where you're just like, Oh, come on. You got greedy. You tried to make me believe too many weird things, you know? And that's what I just think. Yeah. So, so it's, it's just been interesting. I, I, I was kind of expecting the twin thing in Glass Onion to throw more people than I think it has. I think that if they had cast anybody else, people would have groaned. But this, yeah. this just Janelle Monet, five out of five stars. Yeah. And they came up with the, you know, rich bitch, um, which was like an idea that justified the other sister having practiced the same voice. Yes. And that, and that was clever because it was a fun thing from their childhood. If she, 
was able to practice her sister's voice and accent because she was like obsessed with her and watching her be you know this this super famous and was like you know mimicking her and watching her TED talks and stuff that would be kind of a bit sad and a bit like but what I love about Helen is that she's the like the the kind of low status one of this of this relationship but she's just like proud of herself as well as totally being proud of her sister and all the amazing things she's done and and she expresses it beautifully in that first scene of just like just watching her go you know and just like she was just always like this and I was just happy to watch and but you but but like Helen conducts herself with inner pride as well which like the 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 obvious thing to do the easy thing to do would have her be like always living in the shadow of the more successful sister and blah 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 so minute 57 is duke's minute that's where he gives his speech and there's really not much in this minute but except for the mona lisa smile the ambiguous smile that ends their conversation yeah. and so yeah so it's just another great moment for for helen slash andy where the first time you watch it you're like is she just putting on a brave face being defiant and putting on this kind of smile and then when you watch it again you're like bingo i got my moment and then when she you know shoulder checks this like far more far larger person than this physically intimidating guy um, then he goes, there she is. There's the Andy I know, which is a great line when you're like, you know, it's another reminder. And this is another way that they pulled off the twin thing is like one of the things an audience might say is, oh, come on, they'd notice. If it's, if it's not the same person, nobody can do a perfect impression. Even if they look exactly like them, they'll notice. And the answer is they do notice. Yeah. They all they all talk about what's she doing? Why is she acting like this? Because if you don't know there's a twin, you know you 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 see somebody with the same face and you know them. You're like, why are they acting like this? And you're not going to go for the for the twin thing. Um, minute fifty eight. Duke kind of standing there smiling and saying, "I was wondering why my googs were blowing up," and he's doing this kind of weird, like kind of bad acting that we were talking about, but. Duke is acting. Duke is putting on this little play acting moment and he comes across as slightly awkward and it's a slightly off-putting thing. Um, so I think it I think it definitely works on your second viewing. It's like, oh, that's why he's coming off as... Now, maybe for, for your good self who is kind of qu quite unconvinced in a more general way about uh, the Bal Batista's uh, acting ability, maybe you just say, well, yeah, bad actor acts bad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I think that this was a good over-the-top bad acting. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's a nice... Oh, it's a nice juxtaposition of Janelle Monet and yes. playing two different roles. Uh, you you have yeah. Dave Bautista who struggles to play one. Yes, <laughs> you you do get just a very brief moment 
where you see that he's not happy with what he sees on his phone, but it's like blinking, yes. you miss it. And then it immediately yep. goes into, oh, actually, I'm happy. Yay. Yes. Yeah. So from Duke's point of view, what what exactly, what is he thinking? I mean, he knows, we know that he knows that he nearly got pancaked when Miles was driving back away from Andy's house as he was biking towards it. So he knows she was there, but he when he gets to the house, all he finds is the dark house and he's like knocking on the door. And they get, so, so he and Claire, I think, yeah, give up and just go away. So he doesn't know she's dead until that moment. But what, when he's thinking... She was found dead. Who does he think this woman is that he just had the argument with? I I have no idea. I I know that, well, I think, at the very least, uh, what he immediately goes to is, that must mean that, that Miles killed her. Oh, that's great. Yes. I'm going to get the money. But you're right that, yeah. like, I, it doesn't register either in the script necessarily, but definitely not on on Duke's face that I was either talking with a spooky ghost or an imposter. Yeah. yeah. Um or potentially that the dead body is an imposter, that there's yeah. you know some kind of or that the story was put out or you know, you're just trying to think of other options and stuff. Because, uh, like it, you do have to come up with a model of of what the person is thinking because it i think s people have discussed this issue as well of like what was miles thinking when he saw andy on the dock you know yeah like um and that was actually my week and i you know we, we didn't want to discuss uh, later minutes so much but that like that's discussed in the uh, in the commentary, uh, the Ryan Johnson commentary, where he says that like I had to know what my characters were thinking at all times, and it got really complicated. And he was like, "So Miles, if you think about the method of killing, Miles is looking at her, going, well, I drugged her, and I knew the drug was just sleeping pills.'" So maybe it didn't so work. So the drug was never going to kill her. So there was the carbon monoxide that was going to kill her. And I was pretty sure I got the doses right so she wouldn't wake up. But I guess she woke up. She got some kind of jolt or somebody found her. And and now she's here. So because of the method of killing, it's, it's plausible that she's there. So again, he doesn't go for any doppelganger or twin or anything. Because like if he killed her dead and absolutely confirmed it to be there he you, you know he would be looking for an explanation like that so again it's like just balancing every all of these cogs like perfectly work together for the clockwork i i could never write anything like this it's no. just it's just so precise it's it's just crazy yeah so so minute 59 yesterday's minutes um the fact that he won't show 
birdie. Yeah, the fact that Duke won't show what he's just showed to Miles to birdie, that's a big indicator, you know, that's that's blown past in your first viewing of like um, she comes over to share his delight. Oh, my googs are blowing up, and my the, the the you know the numbers on my channel are so crazy. And uh, now we can talk about Alpha News. And Birdie is genuinely happy for him, and and comes over, um, and he's just like, no, 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 puts the phone away, and we don't even know quite what. It it seems what like what way he spins a yarn. It it seems like in the first viewing that it's just a an amount of keep away. Like no, I want I want to play with my phone. I'm tired of sharing it with other people. Um, but then of yeah. course you uh, you know that he he can't show everybody what's going on. Yeah. Certainly not Birdie, who yeah. I I don't think anybody would say is the most intelligent person in the room. No, um, and would be like would you know of all people would blurt and blare and the moment you know it'd yeah. be gone if she saw anything um but um but yeah so now once we have in minute 59 now we have the the murder is starting because once duke has put the blackmail out there yeah i've seen that andy is dead i know you nearly pancaked me on the way you know i know that because we said it earlier and you and you changed it to um uh anderson cooper yeah yeah because he says on the way back from and anderson cooper's party yeah and so immediately miles has to go into damage control mode for this he's just been blackmailed and if he doesn't act soon because one of the things after all that the duke has said to him is this is all over the internet you know being you know the implication being this is going to get out yeah. what's it worth to you from to me to, for, for me to keep this secret a minute longer but from this moment if we watch miles in minute 59 and 60 he moves so seamlessly from this to whenever he must get the idea for the murder if he knows about the pineapple does that mean he's like a he, he's like a, one of these guys who has a, a dossier on all of his friends and he knows all their weaknesses straight away. So he thinks of the pineapple. He goes over, he mixes the drink, he does the distraction. This is kind of one of my problems with the movie um, because Miles's murder is not dumb at all. No. Like, it, it's, it's very simple and very direct and like it's on the fly so it doesn't have the kind of what Benoit Blanc is later complaining about it's dumb and she's like so dumb it's genius no it's just dumb <laughs> like it's it's not dumb it's like it's not elaborate it's not an elegant murder if that's not an horrible kind of uh, juxtaposition of words that like so I kind of don't buy this doesn't really support the Miles being stupid thing. That's that's what gets to me about these minutes and watching him go. Agreed. This is the this is Miles as a showman, as a magician, giving the razzle dazzle and yeah, just and the sleight of hand. Because because in these minutes, magician is perfect because in these minutes he does a sleight of hand where he palms the phone. 
the gun, mixes a drink, and, and and like throws the gun in in a shot we can see in this in our minutes. Throws the gun into the 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 water whatever the little yeah. container in the bar and it's in the shot you can see it and that's what like Ryan Johnson was saying in the in the um commentary again it's like no we didn't cheat you know like obviously I didn't go, cut to an insert or anything but we didn't cheat we allow this to be seen and if you and if you know if you have eagle eyes maybe you'll see it and so he palms the gun palms the phone mixes the drink swaps the drink and uses the like again very basic silly thing of like look at the moving colors and shapes you know yeah of like real real basic but again it works and it's like it took a while for for the world's greatest detective to to get it it's like it's not that stupid and when benoit is giving this speech later on it's like that comes a little bit hollow to me it it very much does this is I think a very, very cool series of minutes and begrudgingly, you have to admit that Miles did think quickly and go through this first step of it very well. Yeah. I'd say better yeah. than the obviously premeditated Andy murder. Yeah. And so in minute 60, this minute we've kind of caught up with ourselves now so there's not much to reinterpret i do think it's interesting though that miles knows what he did and acts like he has no idea what's going on when no uh, when they and start shouting yeah he's just like what oh oh there's something behind me yeah and he, he plays it beautifully. You would never know on your first viewing yeah. that there's something off. It's not like the little moment from Duke where he's where he's like, he doesn't quite know what to do with his arms while he's saying, yeah, I knew my goofs were blowing up. I wouldn't know what to do with arms like that as well. Yeah. Either, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, he pulls it off really well. And his acting... I mean, I think it gets a bit, uh, it gets a bit silly uh, in later minutes. That's, yes. that's for next week, people to discuss. But but it doesn't get. I didn't on my first viewing think this guy is putting on a play acting. I just thought like, wow, this guy is such an abject coward, and he's not even concerned with trying to cover it up. Yes. You know, in, in like next week's minutes, when when uh, when he'll see the glass and stuff. But um, but yes, if we're all if we're talking about specific things from next week's minute, I think that is our indicator that we are closing it off. It's time to close it up. Um, thank you so much for joining me this week, Leandra. Of course. And um, one last time, tell us where we can find you on the socials. You can find me at the RockyHorrorMinute.com or any place that you find your podcasts. And that is Rocky Horror Minute. And you can find me. Uh, my podcast is Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute. But the URL is just MalkovichMinute.net. Not going to make you type all that out. And uh, you'll find all the links there. And the 25 episodes that I've put out so far. Uh, like two years ago <laughs> for that one. And it's worth this the wait. very podcast. Oh, so nice, so nice. Uh, for this very podcast, 
Uh, you will find us on Twitter at Glass Onion Min, all one word. And wherever you are listening, please make sure you are subscribed. Give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a five star review, whatever it is on your platform of choice. Thank you so much. Pass you on to next week's host. I'll be back around in seven weeks. We're on a seven week cycle here. And so I will see you then. And it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Leandra. Say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> and we'll see you all on the next Glass Onion Minute.